run block. You're, you're toast. You're toast. The Titans offense has been built on stinging you and capitalizing with big shots uh, in the running game. Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast for Friday, March the 3rd. I'm your host, Easton Fries, director of published content here at broadwaysportsmedia.com. We are also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. Welcome into day four of our live coverage from Indianapolis at the NFL Combine. I'm joined, as always, by producer JT once again in person. JT, how are you? I'm good. It was a very busy day for us. We had quarterbacks and wide receivers on what we were calling right before the show a dark and stormy day in Indianapolis. Indeed. If you hear any rain in the background or maybe even a little bit of thunder, it's been like that all day. Very gloomy day here in Indy. Not ideal weather-wise for the combine, but that's why we're doing stuff indoors. And it was a very eventful day. A ton for us to get to. We spoke to quarterbacks and wide receivers this morning. And then we've had defensive backs doing their athletic testing in the afternoon. Actually still going on as we speak, I believe. Just wrapping up. Uh, a ton to cover. But let's start out with a, a quick recap of the last 24 hours, JT. We have um, been figuring out the combine as we go this week on our first ever stay here in Indianapolis. And uh, well, actually I'm, I'm skipping a step here. Let me backtrack. If you're watching us live, we need a confirmation in the chat over at Broadway sports media, YouTube's page. You can find this live stream. And if you could just leave us a comment as Ben Deming has left asking Broncos country question mark. I'm not sure what that that is about, but if he's just saying, let's ride then I'm with you, Ben, let's ride. Um, we just need confirmation that you can see and hear us on the live stream so that we know that we're not going live for no reason and that you all are able to hear us. So as soon as we can get somebody in the chat to give us the thumbs up that we can be seen and heard, we will get underway here. Appreciate you all tuning in with us live. And for those of you that are listening to the sound of my voice um, on Friday evening or Saturday morning on the podcast or the video version of our show on YouTube, just so you know, we are doing these shows live, and you've still got two more that you can catch this weekend on Saturday and Sunday afternoon slash evening. We'll be doing live shows every single day that we're here for the Combine, and the next couple of live shows should be really interesting because we've got some really exciting athletic testing on the weekend coming from the quarterbacks, wide receivers, offensive linemen, running backs, and uh, I think yeah, that's it. Quarterbacks, receivers, linemen, tight ends. and running backs, and tight ends. Thank you. I know I was forgetting one. All right. Ben, uh, perfect. Thank you, Ben, for letting us know. He can see and hear us. We appreciate you and the uh, handful of others that are in here. Last thing before we fully dive into our, our uh, discussion today. If you're watching live, we super appreciate you, and I will even further appreciate you if you can do two things for me. One, we want to chat with you during the show. We want to hear your thoughts and opinions and questions that you might have about prospects, the combine, whatever it may be. So head on over and watch this show live on the Broadway Sports Media YouTube page and be like Ben. Chat with us in the comment section there. We can we can discuss these guys, of which there are many for us to talk about today, more than in the past couple of days. We finally reached the portion of the combine where they're letting us talk to a lot of the very, very interesting prospects, the folks that people want to hear about. And today we had an overload of people to try to cover. Um, the other thing is if you could send it, share it with whoever you think might be interested in watching this, joining us live. If you're watching on Twitter, Facebook, 
YouTube, if you can repost, uh, like, retweet, uh, anything that you can do to share, text it to somebody, super appreciative of any effort from you guys helping us share the show and uh, send it to a friend. So thank you very much for that. We're going to move into talking about the individual prospects in a minute. But like I was starting to say, uh, we, we spent last night figuring out where the scene was here uh, on Combine Week. As, as it is our first time here in Indy for the Combine, we hadn't quite figured out where the scene was because you, know, you always hear the, the best part or maybe half of the fun at least from the Combine is going to the restaurants and the bars in the evening when everybody's off of work and getting to chat with coaches, GMs, media members, do a lot of networking here. The the rumor mill for the offseason really get to start up in earnest. That's what this week is about. And uh, it took us a while, but we did finally figure out where the scene is. He- headed to the the bar in the, the well, is it a Hyatt? JW Marriott. JW Marriott. Uh, it's the JW Marriott that's connected to the convention center. The bar down there, high velocity, is the go-to place. Uh, we walked in, and it's basically the entire NFL in there. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. We're we just there we questioning just... whether we're in the right place. Yeah. And then we looked down. First person I saw was Sean Payton hanging out at a booth with uh, some buddies of his, and like I knew he had a nice chicken salad going he, on there. It looked delicious. It did look delicious, and and I saw him and knew, okay, we're in the right place. Finally, we figured it out. Yeah. Lot lot of uh, but also awesome names and faces in there that we met. Yeah, but also uh, another person that you saw. No, I was just gonna say oh. the reason why we finally figured out we were just like. We're going too early. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So we we knew the restaurants and and everywhere that that people were reportedly staying in the evenings, but we weren't, I think, keen on the correct time of day to go. Yeah. There there is no sleep for the wicked. No, the, the combine has long been affectionately referred to as the NFL spring break, and we're learning that the yeah. hard way this week because there is no rest that goes on. There's no event that better encapsulates work hard play hard yeah. than the NFL combine because it is go, go, go from sunup to sundown with the media coverage. And then come nine 30, 10 o'clock at night, which we is going, much. Yeah. We were going to places at like eight, silly us. We're going silly us to dinner to at a reasonable that, hour. If you show up at 10 30, you're going to, you're going to have a great time. Exactly. Um, but it was a lot of fun. We met up with a couple of the ringer boys over at the, at that bar. We met we up with some uh, PFF guys Had a good time. Yeah. It, it was, it was really interesting. Right. <laughs> Some of it, there's a, a lot going on there, but it was, it was a good time. If I, you've been a long time listener of the show, our, our in with some of the folks last night was a buddy of, of mine um, who I look up to as well as am friends with Austin Gale was with PFF for a long time. If you c- cover football or pay attention to football coverage, you're familiar with Austin was with PFF now with the ringer. And he was, uh, I, I hit him up. We met him at high velocity last night. Great hang. Awesome guy introduced us to a number of really awesome folks we got to meet over at pff got to meet the the guy who runs pff social media accounts uh his name's zach and he is super cool he he actually lives relatively near to nashville in alabama so we're gonna probably hang out with him at some point got his contact but we were messing with him because he's he's the who's stopping this team guy which anybody on sports twitter or the sports interwebs is not a big fan of of who's stopping this team guy because well they do it with every single trade or new iteration of a team and it's almost turned into like the Madden curse where if you get that infographic of who's stopping this team who's stopping Julio Jones Derrick Henry and AJ Brown the answer was um, 
injuries and themselves themselves Julio himself <laughs> like yeah yeah it's usually not going well for you if you get one of those graphics but uh I met him and he told me who he was and I go hey man who's stopping this team he goes who's stopping this team I let him know how much you all at home hate him yeah. and uh, he said he was flattered and he was appreciative and he said it is your hatred for those graphics that he's not serious about that will keep him producing them and posting them forever and ever and always so um you're perpetuating your own pain uh, but he's an awesome guy. I got to meet uh, Danny Heifetz, uh, Danny Kelly from PFF. They are not PFF from the ringer. Uh, ben Solak. Those guys were awesome. Got to get an, an Uber with Danny Kelly, who was an awesome guy. Super cool. Hang went over to a, another bar last night to finish out the night a little bit later than we probably should have. But all of those guys are awesome. They do an awesome show, by the way, since we're going to name drop them, might as well help them push their show. The, uh, the ringer NFL draft show. Awesome show. You should go check it out and you'll realize why it was awesome for us to get to meet them. But um, yeah, that was our night last night. So that's yeah. a, that's the personal recap. And we are now in the, the 10 to 11 let's, minutes uh, range yeah, let, into let's, the show. Let's talk about these wide receivers here because yeah. unlike, unlike the other two nights, well, one, we don't want our camera to die for a fourth straight day. <laughs> like that is also, but also sure. we do have important things to, to do. do after this. As I tweeted out earlier, tonight is our St. Elmo's night. Yes. We are going out to shrimp dinner. Cocktails, baby. Um, I'm, I'm I'm more excited about this shrimp cocktail than probably the rest of the weekend, to be honest. <laughs> like it's it's all I've been looking forward to. Um, but we're out of time crunch, so we, we better we better start talking about these guys. Understood. Appreciate you being a good co-host and producer, keeping me on keeping track you here. On track yeah, there. that's and that's what because we know that I will just go and go and go if <laughs> if we don't have a time constraint. So let's talk about the receivers first. We'll save the quarterbacks for just a minute. The receivers are more interesting, not because the Titans aren't in the market for potentially drafting one of these quarterbacks, but kind of because they aren't, we've not really thought that they're in that market um, this whole time, but there's always that chance, right? I would say maybe a five to 10% chance. Ryan Tannehill isn't the quarterback of the Titans next year. And if he's not, it could be another veteran, but it, I'd imagine if I, if I told you right now, JT, okay, Tannehill is not the quarterback how confident are you on a scale of one to 10 that the quarterback that is starting is a rookie? Um, probably 75%. Right. That's, I was going to say seven or eight out of 10. Um, just because we've talked about this, the numbers don't really make sense. They're not going to get somebody yeah, cheaper. 70, that's a veteran percent rookie, uh, 5% Malik slash Dobbs, mm -hmm. uh, and then 20%, uh, Jacoby Brissett. That's my official take. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to do a graph infographic with that quote so that we have that on, on record. So yeah, that's why we're going to pay some attention to these quarterbacks because they are interesting in a vacuum. We do cover the draft outside of what the Titans are interested in, but from a Titans perspective, quarterbacks, not nearly as important as receiver. And Lord knows that the Titans could use a receiver or two or three in this draft to become an impact. We talked to a number of these guys, and this was the day so far out of all the others where I was stressed and frustrated by your inability to talk to everybody, right? These guys go in packs of eight or nine at a time, and you got to pick and choose. You got 20 minutes with eight or nine talking at a time at podiums all in the same place. But, you know, if you want to get up front and ask a question, you have to plan ahead. And so we, you really can only choose to talk yeah. to one, maybe two guys in a session. And so we picked the ones we thought were the most interesting. We'll have it, more it, to say on other guys tomorrow, yeah, it, right? It, it, so if we don't mention the guy you want to hear about, let us know in the in the chat, hey, what's the deal with this guy? They're testing tomorrow. We'll have plenty more to say about them then. But 
yeah, and because of that, it was a lot more of a listening day than trying to get clips for social media and right. stuff like that. It was it was a lot more like if, if you're trying to play the middleman of like two different booths right there. If you just like stay in the back, then you're able to like at least catch things a little easier than trying to just go up there, get your clip and then get your quotes for later on. Exactly. So we've got six or seven guys here that we want to talk about and talk about them as a prospect as well as what they had to say at the podium today, do you want to start with one of your guys? Yeah, it's probably, yeah, we'll, we'll start with one of my guys here. Okay. And it's probably one of the most, if not the ultimate guy that has been talked about this week. Mostly in terms for, of hype? Yeah, in yeah, terms no, of absolutely. the hype building this week. And that is Zay Flowers out of Boston College. Um, well, before we do that, we're starting with the receivers because it's important yes, on this you. one thank here. Um, we're going to do a to, throwback to earlier this week. To talk about that it is still important. Like uh, we sent out a tweet and it was like, who do you guys want to see the Titans draft? And right. mostly it was O-line first, please. But mm -hmm. then wide receiver, because it is still very important that the Titans find a wide receiver because Lord knows. And I think we also saw this in our DMS there. It just perfectly sums up that, there was like a shop with a bunch of jerseys and whatnot, and the, oh, yes. the jersey. On no, it's the NFL. It's the NFL store in Las Vegas. In Some, Las somebody Vegas. happened to find the Titans section of jerseys. There's a jersey section for each team. Who were the two players that, that they had there? Tannehill and who else? Uh, Cody Hollister. Cody Hollister. So if you so, want a Tannehill or a Cody Hollister jersey, the two hottest jerseys going there. for the Titans, head to Las Vegas, I guess. But if that's the, you're right, that's if that's not a perfect encapsulation of where the Titans are in terms of their wide receivers, I don't know what is. So yeah. the, the 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 first guy we'll talk about after we listen to this video, but just to refresh everybody on where the Titans brass seems to be in terms of their headspace with this wide receiver class, it might be changing a little bit from what their MO had been in recent years, maybe under John Robinson in particular. So here's a clip from head coach Mike Vrabel on Tuesday when we got to speak to him here at the Combine talking about speed versus size, especially when it comes to the receiving core. They are able to produce with the skill set that, that they have. And big and fast is, is a great place to start, uh, knowing that we need to get faster throughout our roster. But there's a couple ways to, to, to skin a cat and making sure that, you know, you're not, you know, if you come off that model a little bit, there has to be some other things. The guy doesn't have 34 inch arms and you're like, well, we'd really like to have that. You know, are there other skill sets that they exhibit and, and can they, can they function and do their job um, outside of that? So, you know, we, we know kind of where we need to be with that, with that position. And with that, let's talk about your first guy, Zay Flowers. Yeah, so let's talk about Zay Flowers, who got all of this hype because of how he came into the week and what how what his training has been, right? So Zay Flowers, 5'10", and before coming into the week, he was around 172 on his weight. However, right before the combine, they he put out a picture in which he has bulked up to 183. Now he so got definitely, the, the Bryce Young fast pass he, with that he size. He did, uh, but not exactly like Bryce Young just trying to like eat and eat and eat like he put on a no lot it was of not muscle. fat man it was a lot he, of muscle he had a before and after picture with his shirt off and you can tell the muscle mass was increased pretty dramatically which is really impressive i mean putting on 11 pounds of muscle in any amount of time that's impressive and this guy did it yeah so zay flowers is really interesting to me 
because despite having um, being a little bit shorter than you would want for a guy who loves to play on the outside, mm-hmm. he, he's really good at separation and that deep ball. I think he would be a perfect complement to a Traylon Burks on the other side of the of the line of scrimmage. And he would be someone who would complement well because he has that speed and that way that ability to separate. We remember talking about specifically the Chiefs Titans game, how it was one of the worst performances in regard in regards to wide receiver separation mm-hmm. and basically every metric. So trying to bring in a guy here who um is was 11th in the entire nation in deep yards last season would probably be a good idea. Now he's stock may be a little bit lower because he, of his three years playing at Boston college, his yards per catch last year was the fewest of any year past two years before last year. He was around the 16, 17 yards per catch range. Uh, then this past year, I believe it was around 13 yards per catch. But the, but the big thing is, is that, a lot of teams are thinking about maybe trying to move him to the slot, which we have a clip here from earlier today in which he detests that and says, I, I, I want to be given the opportunity to play on the outside. And here's what he had to say. I'm not just a slot. 75% of my snaps was played outside. And I think I could move around and play any position that they put me at. So the team that ends up drafting, Flowers is going to be hoping from a developmental standpoint, they can turn him into a uniquely versatile weapon in the NFL, because what fundamentally keeps guys who are sub six foot sub 190 pounds at the receiver position from playing on the outside is the fact that typically at that size, you you certainly don't have the catch radius of the six foot, six foot two, six foot three cornerback that you're going up against the outside on the outside with the outside corners. And you also typically don't have the wheels to get the separation necessary to be open, right? Like you, you are, you are either always open in the sense that you are just bigger or as big or have better ball skills than your defender. And a lot of guys like AJ Brown don't necessarily have to have the top end speed to succeed with deep routes. You know, AJ Brown can run a deep route, not, not necessarily get a ton of separation, but because he's so big, tall and physical his strength allows him to just high point the ball and win right that's you you hear these big guys talk about how they're always open even if they don't get separation when you're not at an advantage from a size or strength standpoint you have to be able to separate and usually it's the shorter guys you know shorter legs you can't run as fast you can't you can't hang or maybe you don't have the the um the ability to to separate with straight line speed but you do in the slot because you're you're smaller you're shiftier your lower center of gravity allows you to shake a guy in the middle of the field to shorten intermediate passes, and you get open that way, again, by creating a bunch of separation or exploiting the zone. What makes Zay Flowers a guy that could potentially, even at 185, yeah, 5'10", 172, he, or 183 now, what, what makes him potentially capable of playing on the outside is that burner ability. He's a separation machine all through college his separation was really the thing that ability was what defined his his play and if he can do that at the nfl level and still be that big of a mismatch in terms of separation then you might have a guy that's not slot only despite his size yeah and that that was basically my point there is that if if you want to go for a guy who wants to play on the outside but is sacrificing a little bit of that size for speed he's probably your best guy 
on your board. I know PFF has him ranked uh, second um, in their draft guide, at least when, when that came out, their second overall wide receiver prospect. But I, I think as Quentin Johnson, Jordan Addison, and uh, JSN start to kind of pull away in that first three, I think Zay Flowers might be a decent guy that could find himself around that 42-43 pick range. Right, and well, he he's going to have to, if he's successful on the outside, be that Tyreek Hill prototype. Obviously not as good as Tyreek Hill. He's an alien. He's an elite athlete. But you can do what Tyreek Hill does, not at an elite level, but at a good level, at a, at a great level, right? Just a, a, a Publix brand Tyreek Hill. And it's a kind of a, a good comp in, in the sense that Hill is also um, in the – Five, I believe he's yeah he's 5'10", 185, so almost exactly the same build. The problem is with Tyreek Hill, you know, Hill ran a oh goodness, where he, I don't even I can't even find his forty time, but I oh four two nine he ran a four two nine forty. We we've not seen Zay Flowers forty time yet. That's tomorrow, but unless he's just gassing it down the field, I'm not sure you're going to have that same ability because that's what makes Tyreek Hill so potent despite his size, his top end speed acceleration. And then he's even as good or maybe even better in the slot because he's so low to the ground and has that shiftiness, not just the straight line speed to be able to shake guys. So with Zay flowers, I, I agree. It's kind of a risky proposition and you, you really have to be confident as a team. If you are drafting him in the, where is he on the consensus board? Day two guy. He, yeah, I think he's right now around, I'm not sure, but I can on look, the consensus actually, big you know board, I can look, but He's probably around the 40 range. Oh, 29. 29. 29. So he, he's so risen right around that. there. Um, I was going to say to go maybe just one step down from Tyreek Hill. I think another good comp is someone like a T.Y. Hilton. Something yeah, more yep, along that yep. line where he's not going to be that target monster, but he's going to beat you nine times out of 10. And once he finally gets one of those, just like T.Y. Hilton used to make, he'd make those big time plays. Yep. I will say the, the only other thing that, that makes him capable of, of succeeding on those deep routes even if he doesn't get the separation necessary for his size on, on those deep go balls or, or posts, he, he has a pretty ridiculous ability to just bounce out of the gym. He's, he's a jump out of the gym kind of guy. He can typically even at five ten, out, out vertically climb a defender. That's a couple inches taller than him. So it's those kinds of abilities that make him a fringe round one receiver. We'll move yeah. on to the next guy. Yeah, let's move on to another guy. So the first guy that I wanted to talk about today, once I can find my notes again, is Jalen Hyatt, guy that anyone watching the show is familiar with, I'm sure, because he is the Tennessee Vols star wide receiver coming out of this year. Him and Cedric Tillman make up a really nice combo of receivers that the volunteers will be losing. And Hyatt, the 2022 Bolitnikoff winner, is coming into the draft with really, really high expectations for himself. We have a couple of quotes, and then do we have a clip from him? No, okay, we have a quote from him today. He said, quote, I feel like I'm unstoppable. I feel like nobody can guard me. I feel like they fear me when I get out there. And this is in response to a question, who do you think the wide receiver one in this draft is? He finishes it off by saying, quote, I'm definitely, I would definitely say I'm wide receiver one in this draft. Obviously, he's got the confidence. He's got that that moxie that wide receivers typically have and typically need. I will say that he mentioned the only other thing from his press conference that that is worth mentioning, I think, is that like we talked about yesterday when Cam Smith from South Carolina, the cornerback prospect, 
spoke at the podium and mentioned Jalen Hyatt is really his only competition all year, which was a massive diss to the rest of the defend or the rest of the receivers he faced. It was Cedric Tillman or excuse me, Jalen Hyatt today that said, yeah, I would say Cam Smith out of South Carolina was hit my tumpet, my toughest bump this fall. So, which is probably more of a, uh, upgrade or a compliment to Cam Smith versus Cam Smith saying that to Jalen Hyatt, right? Uh, because Jalen Hyatt was playing against some dogs this season uh, with with that schedule it's that true. Tennessee he, he had. He played versus, a lot of very good players. Uh, South Carolina pretty much only played Tennessee with when it comes to wide receiver talent. So right. So when Cam Smith says that Jalen Hyatt was the best receiver he played against, that's a diss to the other receivers he played against. But it's also absolutely true. Yeah. He is. It is factual. He was the best receiver he played. Jalen Hyatt. I'm guessing, I can't think off the top of my head for sure, but I'm guessing he probably faced a cornerback or two better than Cam Smith this year. But sounds like Cam Smith gave him the most trouble. In terms of a prospect, and we've talked a little bit about Jalen Hyatt already, but I'll say um, the, the thing about him that is the most intriguing, and maybe it's worrisome to you, maybe it's um, you, you have reason to believe it's not so worrisome, and this is the rub with him from a prospect evaluation standpoint what, what makes him a really interesting conversation Hyatt was playing first of all in a Josh Heupel offense that is really tricky to evaluate in terms of they how how players will transition to the NFL because really it's a fake offense it's not it's certainly not an NFL offense and really it's a particularly gimmicky college offense I guess that's the best way to say it it is very very different from anything else He'll at least be seeing in the NFL, that's for sure. And because of that, he, he he did some things that maybe weren't as not he wasn't as uh, he wasn't not as impressive, but he wasn't as diverse with what he put on tape. Um, I, I know I'm kind of struggling to explain this, but really, when you look at this receiver class, Jalen Hyatt stands out as a guy who didn't line up to run as many different routes as the other guys didn't line up at different positions as much as the other guys and didn't really have a ton of contested catches, which is a testament to his ability to separate and run past his defenders. But it raises a red flags with a number of folks who are NFL evaluators, because when you take that jump from college to the NFL, typically you're not going to just be open all the time. College openness is a couple of feet in the NFL an open receiver has six inches on their defender. So if he can't win in press coverage and contested catch circumstances in the NFL, he's not really of much value to teams. Yeah. But I think, I think he's probably one of the more uh, volatile players as, as on draft boards consensus wise. I think he could go in that late first, uh, first I, round. I think that he will. I'll, I told but, you this earlier. Today, yeah. Sorry like, to like you were going like to say, he could be the first wide receiver taken off the board. That's just, it just depends what team likes he, what he's got. He could be. And I think it is kind of a choose your own adventure thing with wide receivers this year with teams, the consensus board of receiver, the consensus opinion on the receiver order will probably be thrown out the window on night one because each receiver is so different kind of niche has real limitations. It's really going to be, scheme defend dependent fit dependent as to where these guys end up I, I almost can guarantee you there will be a surprise wide receiver drafted in the first round by a team that reaches on a, their guy because they are looking for the traits that he in particular has with Hyatt I don't think he's going to be the first guy off the board he could be but once draft kings or Fandor, uh, the book that you use puts out lines on the draft uh, more lines I suppose more options to bet on 
I'm going to be betting on Jalen Hyatt going the first round for sure. I've been saying it since he won the Bulitnikov that this guy, you may think he's your wide receiver five or six or seven. You may think that he's gimmicky or a college only player. You may think that he's just not big enough or talented enough to compete in the NFL. Those things may or may not be true, but if you think he's not going in the first round, I think you're crazy. The, the wide receiver position is such a massive, massive premium in today's NFL, and teams are constantly looking for young and cheap talent at wide receiver because we see what a wide receiver on a rookie deal can mean for a team in terms of a significant, significant boost in offensive production. Um, the Jamar Chase, the, the Justin Jeffersons, the T. Higgins of the world, we, we have a new guy every single year prove give the Garrett Wilson's of the world that if you can hit on that rookie wide receiver you are not only set from a talent and production standpoint but financially man you are living large paying this guy one or two million a year instead of 20 on the cap for the AJ Browns and DeAndre Hopkins of the world yeah let's move on to the next guy next here guy. and this is the one that stirred up the pot the most for Titans fans at least mm -hmm. today yep and that's got to be Rasheed Rice. He's out of SMU. Um, and I, I did this on the show yesterday. Um, I'm going to do it on the show today. And probably when we talk to the offensive lineman tomorrow, I'm going to do it tomorrow as well. I'm kind of starting a staple here in which I'm what I'm going to call wee woo wee woo. Looks like a perfect Titan alert. Woo whoop. Yeah. The sound, the alarms. Put out here. The, the Titans bat signal. And, and this was because I believe it was Tron. Tron Davenport put this tweet out earlier in which he said, Rasheed Rice said when he spoke to the Titans, they really liked the blocking he showed on film. Rice said playing with a running back like Derrick Henry means wide receivers have to make sure they block downfield knowing he could break a long run at any time. Now, there's two sides of this coin here. One, which I'm going to play the clip right now, it is true. He is a very, very good blocking receiver. And um, we pulled this clip from our friend James Foster, who sent out this tweet um, about, about a month ago now, mm -hmm. um, saying this, that Rasheed Rice is a very, very good blocker. So if you look here, he's down there. Um, real quick, we'll just pause it for you so everybody knows where he is. He's right there at the well, bottom. And by the way, if you're listening to this in podcast form, you should probably watch go watch the YouTube. YouTube video because we're watching <laughs> film at this point. Yeah. You're, you're missing out. So go so, to probably sports media, YouTube page, watch this live or watch it uh, in post, but you're going to want to watch the video form of the show. And, and so he's down there at the bottom and he just absolutely just does not give up on his block, gets his hands set almost perfectly and just drives him into the ground. And he's probably the guy, if you are looking for a blocking receiver in this draft, he probably is your guy. Uh, unfortunately, the Titans. He's the best blocking receiver in the draft. Absolutely. But Titans fans don't want to hear that. They don't. Even though the Titans love their blocking receivers, that was the other well, side of the, the Titans need their, really, They need their blocking receivers. He's if, really good at it, but Titans fans just don't want that anymore. Well, and, and there's, there's a lot of talk about offensive philosophy changing for the Titans in a big way. Yet to be seen. If, if it's anything like it's been in the past, if you don't have guys on the field on offense at every position that can block, run block, you're, you're toast. You're toast. The Titans offense has been built on stinging you and capitalizing with big shots uh, in the running game, which require downfield blocking and big play action shots in the passing game that that allow you to capitalize on on big plays, explosive plays and be that explosive play offense. That's how they've succeeded in recent years. That requires guys like A.J. Brown. Very nice blocker. Uh, Corey Davis was a very nice blocker. 
they they have continued to roll out tight ends that folks don't want to see on the field because they stink at catching the ball like Jeff Swain, but they are the best blocking option that they have. So they put out the blockers, right? That's been what the Titans have not just loved, but have needed. They've needed that. And so with a guy like Rasheed Rice, not only is he great at it, but then you you hear these quotes come out about how the Titans have met with him and they have complimented his ability to block downfield and people just lose their minds. Why are the Titans interested in wide receivers that can block downfield? I wish just once they would compliment a wide receiver publicly for their ability to maybe stretch the field and get vertical and win at the point of attack and always got fantastic hands because they're so desperate for guys that can be explosive in the passing game. The, the problem is they they need guys that can do both and, and they're interested Rasheed in guys Rice that can do both might be able to do both well that's we, the thing he's not a, he's not a bum yeah we, receiving the ball he is a receiver last in fact. season last season he saw the most volume of his career um with 104 more targets than the next highest player on his team so i think he had 156 160 targets overall um which is a lot more than than your than your receiver two and three on that team so they they loved giving him the ball at smu last year and with those targets he was able to put up an 85.9 pff score first in deep catches fifth in deep yards so while he's very good at blocking he also just like zay flowers is able to make that separation and speed down the field yep you want me to go to the next guy yeah let's go all right the guy that i want to talk about next is jonathan mingo we've been talking about him on the show for a couple of weeks now and he is the guy for Titans fans and Titans media, it seems. If the Titans go receiver in one of those later rounds, maybe more like the fourth or the fifth, Jonathan Mingo out of Ole Miss could be that guy for them. Seems to be kind of an A.J. Brown type coming out of college. You look at him and physically definitely has that same build. You watch the tape, which I have done on Mingo, and it is... It is different from A.J. Brown. It's not nearly as dominant. He's not the prospect that A.J. Brown was, but the traits are there, and you see flashes of really similar gameplay. Really strong player, plays with outsized strength. But he plays bigger than, than he is. Uh, his ability to win over the middle of the field is really fantastic. His ability to produce yards after the catch, really fantastic. All things that made A.J. Brown an intriguing prospect, and that's kind of the play style that he emulates at his best year of his college career last year, 76.9 PFF grade, an increase of over 12 uh, percentage points from 2021 to 2022, played in 13 games, almost doubled his snaps from the previous two years. He played mostly out wide, 246 snaps out wide, 154 on the inside. At his size, he's another guy that you could be – pretty versatile with moving them inside and out. And listen, in today's NFL, big X receivers, they're, they're put on the inside relatively often. Like it's, it's not unheard of for anybody to be, I mean, Traylon Burks plays in the slot from time to time. So this is a guy that, that you really would like to see them consider in the later rounds. I, I think that he'll probably end up rising in, in draft stock for many in the league over the next two months. And, it wouldn't shock me at all if he ends up going at the end of day two in the third round. It wouldn't shock me at all. I think it's, again, any of these receivers could go at any point because it really is a, it's it's like a Ben and Jerry's, you got 23 different flavors. And just because 
there are popular ones doesn't mean everyone's going to go for that, man. Sometimes a team is looking for a very specific flavor and they take a guy earlier than you expect them to. Yeah. And to your point, the Titans do sound interested. In oh, him. yes. I forgot the, the only thing I wrote down for sure about him. The most important thing that I've buried the lead on. We found out today at his media availability that Jonathan Mingo has an in-person meeting scheduled with the Titans next week. So that's the first meeting I think that we know of the Titans have set up for after the combine. He seems to be on the top of their list of radar guys they want to speak with and consider for the draft. So that's really exciting, I think. And, and he's a prospect that I would fully endorse if they were to go his way. Do you want to talk about your next guy? Yeah, let's move on to the next guy here. And he's going to be uh, our last guy that we're going to talk about here. Of course, we're going to talk about a lot more because I know you guys reached out and probably want to talk about Josh Downs um, and a bunch of other guys that all of you are pretty interested in. But one more guy here that I I've seen at least uh, Mike Herndon be pretty in on this guy. I, I am also in on this guy. Yeah. Easton also in on this guy is Tyler Scott out of UC. Now, this is a guy who was, I, I, I just have to laugh at myself because I said I did the Chris Collinsworth line there real quick. Yeah. Here's a guy. Now, here's a guy. <laughs> Let me tell but you. Now, here's a he, guy. He's, he's someone who made the transition from track to receiver. Right. Um, and I think if there is one person or one receiver out of this draft or in the past couple drafts that could um, make that transition. Well, it could be this guy. Okay. Um, he's got, he's, he's got decent size. He's five eleven, So a little bit undersized for what you want out of a receiver on the outside, 185. So he's basically around the same height and weight that we've of all these guys that we're talking about now tomorrow, when we see the weigh-ins, things might shift and change, but that's what we're working with right now. But I think he probably has the most speed out of any of the guys we talked about. Um, Teron Davenport also talked to him today asking about like how, what do you have to consider when making that track to wide receiver move and how does that right. fit into your game? So we'll play that clip here real quick for you. Time we really run at 100 you know, yards, we really get a chance to really build up that speed. You know, football, it's like you got to learn how to get the top speed fast. Mm -hmm. And so one thing I really focused on when I was, you know, in high school was indoor track. I got to run it finally my, my senior year. Uh, we got a new track coach, and um, he got us into indoor track. And so my main focus was the 60. And just really learning how to get out. And that's the biggest thing, learn how to get out and get the top speed fast. And I think that's the big point with him. If you get him on, not just in like a 40 time, but going past that, if you get him out in the open field, he's going to be able to make that separation and he's going to be able to kick it into a next gear that some of these other guys might not have, which makes him a pretty interesting prospect to consider. Yeah, no, I, I think he's an interesting one that you could see as a bargain, a bargain draft uh, from a team that, that gets a guy who's starting at receiver in the fourth, fifth, sixth round. I, I'm he not definitely is out of all these guys. He's going to be one of those guys in the later, maybe the fourth round. He's one Oh four on the big board. Well, okay. One Oh four. Yep. There he is. Um, so maybe a fourth round guy could be that, that surprise guy that someone takes at the end of the third, that if they absolutely love him. Um, but he could find his stock rising up boards very quickly this weekend. Yep. He's somebody that you should probably focus on learning more about in the next coming weeks, because he is a later draft pick that could end up rounding out a draft for a team like the Titans really quite nicely. Let's move on. And we have a ton more to talk about with these receivers, as we've alluded to multiple times. 
that we will get into tomorrow, maybe with some uh, some guest interviews. I'm going to see if we can maybe chat with some folks out in the field tomorrow about these receivers as we get to see them test. And I'm sure these testing numbers for them will be quite interesting. We'll see some ridiculous 40 times, maybe even see some records pushed. Um, so that's exciting. The next group that we got to speak to this morning is the quarterbacks. And we'll start with the quarterback one on most boards. It is Bryce Young out of Alabama. Big day for him is tomorrow. Obviously, the the only thing for him in this combine has been, what does he weigh? Because we know that he's small. He knows that he's small. Apparently, his his quote today that stuck out, stood out and has been taken, uh, not out of context, but but taken and run through the ringer all day long. It's the quote, where is it here? Yeah, he said, quote, I've been this size respectfully my whole life. That's simply not true. <laughs> You've been talking for a month about bulking up for the combine. So he's, he's actually bigger than he's ever played before. And I would argue bigger than he will be playing in the NFL. How big? That's the question. Tomorrow is the weigh-in. There was some confusion earlier this week as to when he's weighing in. For some reason, it was a rumor that was passed around on Radio Row that he may be weighing in on Thursday. Turns out he's still weighing in on Saturday. So tomorrow with all the quarterbacks, he'll be weighed and measured, and that's it. He's not doing any drills, not throwing. I very much disagree with that. He he should be throwing. I, I don't I don't think that that is a, a detriment to him. It's It's dumb for him not to. I understand why he's not because he's his team wants him to take one thing at a time, obviously, right? He wants to take the combine and we're going to, we're going to weigh in and get that number for your size concern. Since it's the only thing people are really concerned about you as a prospect, get that not fixed, but padded as best we can by stuffing you full of peanut butter jellies for a month before the combine. Then we'll get all that fat off of you. And next month at your pro day, then we'll have you not weigh, not measure, then you'll throw and do the testing, and we can get the best of both worlds. He's not fooling anybody that has half a brain, but on paper, it's what it's going to look like, and that's, frankly, all you need for a lot of folks, even in the media and in the NFL, to see that and feel a lot better about him as a prospect. Because, again, it really has been that one thing this whole time we've talked about him so far this offseason. Man, he's just slight and short. And you can be short. You can be slight. Historically, you can't be both. Yeah. And in his presser today, there was a tweet out there with a picture of him behind oh, yeah. the, the presser funny, here. Man. This is um, funny. <laughs> now, here's the thing. When we go to the stadium tomorrow, uh, well, we're going to have to do some shopping around the uh, Noble uh, clothing department that they have kind of set up in the Lucas Oil Stadium. Uh-huh. Because like they do have the shoes here, but I'll show it for everyone here. I don't think the shoes have that big Wait, of big of uh, in the soles. Yeah, the yeah, soles. The, the, I don't the think the they're soles that on tall. the shoes we saw they were actually selling yesterday. Didn't look quite so fat. I mean, those are platform shoes, man. They, they that's, are a little that's bit. like two and a half, three inches of sole. So, and it's funny that he was wearing those when he says, "I've been this size my whole life." No, you, you're actually only this size because you're wearing these shoes, man. Very funny. Um, and shout out to whoever got behind. I don't know how somebody managed to get a picture of him behind the podium of his shoes. They're probably going to lose their job for that. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, that's, that's the story with young. We, we don't have anything else to say from the combine about him because he's not testing. It's and just about what he had to thing. say. Yeah. He didn't really have anything that interesting to say. He's here just kind of biding his time. Yeah. And tomorrow, even though we talked to them today, it, all that's well and good, but until we, it, it, it's different with like, these with quarterback prospects right. because 
you it's more important to see them than talk to them yes. unlike some of these other positions yeah the the next quarterback that we heard from was anthony richardson he didn't really say anything of much note to me nothing in that press conference stood out made me want to write it down but we have heard all week and i think it was most recently reported on the pat mcafee show today that and this could I mean, it's must lie season this could be coming from you know scouts and be real it could also be coming from agents and just be a narrative that's being pushed. But we're hearing from multiple folks all week long that he is killing it in the interviewing process, that teams, coaches, GMs are ranting and raving about him. And it's it's been very positive for him, even before the portion of the week that we expected to be very positive for him, getting to show off those physical abilities on the field, which he'll do tomorrow. From a narrative standpoint, whether it's concocted out of whole cloth or an embellishment or the full and and unadulterated truth, the narrative is very positive. And it's going to continue to be positive because unless something crazy happens at his testing tomorrow, he's going to really impress. He may run the, the fastest quarterback 40-yard dash for a guy at his size, 240-some-odd pounds. He may end up... Um, putting up some kind of ridiculous numbers with his height and weight measurements, his three cone time. He's going to wow us with his arm passing the ball, but that, that all of that stuff on the fast track in a very controlled, unrealistic, frankly, environment at the combine is going to make him look very, very good. And it's just going to do what we said in our combine preview show on Monday back in Nashville. It's exactly what we expected. This combine is going to make him continue to rise up the narrative up, up the narrative ranks and up everybody's big board and maybe even be a top five quarterback by draft time that seems to be where we're headed with him yeah and it, I, I I kind of pause on him as well because we're hearing how well he is in interviews and I, I get um, in some of the comps and you just you we learned last year that it's all can be deceiving as we found out with Malik Willis so I, I'm taking a little bit of a grain of salt with a lot of these things. Yeah, and, and another grain of salt that is necessary for Richardson before we move on is the fact that in NFL media doesn't really seem to be interested in talking about this. They aren't, um, maybe they're afraid of talking about it, but whether it is intentionally being not talked about or uh, unintentionally not being talked about, there are some character concerns. There, there's some maturity and character concerns that have been reliably discussed or at least whispered about with Anthony Richardson. So that's what makes me lean towards maybe this narrative of, oh, he's killing it in the interviews. Teams love him. Maybe that's agents pushing that. Maybe not. Maybe he is. I, I think we'll maybe get more to the bottom of that in the coming weeks. But my my inclination is it's probably a little bit embellished for, for him to be able to counteract the, the negative narrative that he's got character or maturity concerns. The next quarterback we heard from, Will Levis, another guy that's going to wow us with his arm in the testing tomorrow. Levis spoke today, and we do have a clip from his press conference. JT, let's hear what Will Levis had to say. With an NFL playbook, I'm working with Cohen, Scangarello, is that coming up with a lot in your meetings with teams? Yeah, I think that our terminology crosses over with a lot of uh, different teams in the league. So when they're asking about the plays that we run and we're watching the tape and I'm running through kind of what our footwork or what our just – language that we used was uh, it's kind of cool when they can realize kind of right away that it's the same or now Levis the big quote from him at the at the press conference was uh, in response to 
so many, so many quotes here. I got you. Here we go. Kentucky quarterback Will Levis was asked about throwing at the combine. Why did he choose to participate? And his answer was because I've got a cannon and I want to show it off. Based fair. Accuracy wise, I'll be curious to see if he can show off maybe some improved accuracy because for me, the thing about him as a prospect that gives me the most pause is this guy's got a massive arm, but man, I don't think he can, can control it. Many have talked about how they think he has a decision-making issue. I don't think Will Levis has a decision-making issue. I think that he has an accuracy issue and it, it comes off sometimes as poor decision-making. He's not trying to throw it there all the time. He's just not as accurate as, as he should be, not nearly as accurate as he needs to be to be a starting NFL quarterback. The traits are all there, and as a prospect, he is enticing, I'm sure, to many folks. I've said before, I wouldn't be shocked at all if he goes number one overall. He's a big guy with a big arm, seems to be a grade-A leader. He's very impressive as an individual. No, no character concerns to speak of. He's an older guy, but he's 231 and six foot three as a senior. He, he could he could turn out to be a really good quarterback based on his traits alone. The question is, can the right team get their hands on him? And can the right coaches coach him up in the right way to become that quarterback that his traits dictate he can be? There's a lot of questions regarding that. And there's a lot of questions regarding, well, can you teach accuracy? We talked about this a little bit earlier this week, too. You can teach better mechanics and better footwork, which tend to improve accuracy, but accuracy itself, you can't directly fix. Yeah. And I think tomorrow when he throws rather than weighing and stuff like that will be the biggest point of contention for him. Yes. The next guy we talked about, and we're not going as, as deeply into talking about these guys as prospects, partly because we've already talked about it in weeks previous, and also partly because we're going to be talking about that in depth on the show in the coming weeks as we get close to the draft. So kind of saving that for later. The next guy we talked to was CJ Stroud out of Ohio State. And Stroud, the only thing that I want to mention about him is this quote that's being passed around. Also not the most positive light, not a great look for CJ Stroud. I don't think it's as big a deal as folks are making it out to be, though, because we have no reason to believe that he he meant it in a in a negative way. Uh, he, he frankly he'd be a moron if he meant it the way folks are taking it. Here's the quote: He says, "quote I look up to Deshaun Watson a lot. I feel I have a similar playing style too." He then also went on to mention that Joe Burrow is another guy he looks at as a comparison for him in his ability to create and. He also, he also mentioned, I think, Mike Vick in there as well. He with did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Deshaun Watson and Mike Vick were the first two names he which dropped. Make, which makes sense given his, his style of play. It's just... The player. It's the, the, player. the player. He's not, talking about the player. There's no way he's talking about the person. And it, he's, He'd it be a moron up, if he was talking it, about the person. because it counts like Barstool and all those. Take it out of... Out well, of, if you just post that, that quote, yeah. I look up to Deshaun Watson a lot. End quote. <laughs> <laughs> the back half of that, by the way, is I feel I have a similar playing style too. Like that's, yeah. that is, that is what he's talking about. Um, I just, I don't think that unless he comes out and is clarifying like, no, like me and Deshaun are tight. I like him as a person. I think that he's a role model. Then we can have that conversation. Yeah. I, we're not having that conversation because he's not, it's not what he meant. Um, as a, as a player, I do think that it's a pretty apt comparison at his best. CJ Stroud, the prospect is a Deshaun Watson type passer and we've seen in his prime before his world came crashing down in Houston, Deshaun Watson, top five quarterback in the league. Yeah. So talk about the next guy, last guy. Yeah. 
Last guy, obviously not the last quarterback we heard from today, but the last we're going to talk about because this is the big five in this year's draft. It is Tennessee's own Hendon Hooker. Hooker was getting a lot of attention today because he, of course, due to his injury, knee injury, still rehabbing, not going to be participating in the drills. He has been at the Senior Bowl a couple of weeks ago and now at the Combine talking to teams and giving interviews. Everything we've heard is that he's very, very impressive. Teams are uh, impressed with his football mind and his leadership ability, his confidence, all of those things that you're looking for. The big question with him is, the same that we had with the receivers out of Tennessee. And it's really amplified for the quarterback position. How do you, how do you compare what they were doing in college to what they're going to do in the NFL? It's very difficult because what they were doing in college is so gimmicky and unique and collegiate. It is really maybe the, the most collegiate we've seen a quarterback in the, in the NFL draft um, coming out of uh, the most collegiate system we've seen an NFL drafted quarterback come out of since the old Miss player last year. Um, that that was that was a pretty gimmicky offense. I'm, I'm blanking on his name, by the way. Who was the old Miss quarterback, quarterback last year? Yes, look that up for me. I'm blanking because he he went to a team and got hurt and didn't play all year long. Um, but but that's really the the mold, and there's a reason that a lot of these gimmicky offense quarterbacks in college don't manage to make the transition. Matt Corral. Matt Corral. Thank you. Um, I was thinking Mac for some reason. And then maybe think Jones. I yeah. was close. Matt Corral. He he's kind of a similar guy who went from a very gimmicky lane offense over in old miss to the, the Kiffin way just didn't really translate. I don't think to the NFL, he got healthier um, and spent a little bit of time and it wasn't all that positive. So all of that is to say, I think that hooker could be in that same boat. The biggest question out of the gate is this knee injury. Is it going to limit his ability to be that explosive athlete that can scramble and create and is a threat with his legs as a, as a big bodied bruising player? We don't know. And, and it needs to be, it needs to be, it needs to be right for him to, to have a chance to make it in the NFL. And then and between hooker and Richardson as the guys who might be labeled as maybe projects, not ready to start year one. I think a team who really likes Hennon hooker might give him that time to get healed up and maybe use him as more as a prospect rather than trying to put him and get him to go straight from day one. Right. And then there's some things as a prospect that make him intriguing as a deep ball passer. It's gorgeous. It's fantastic. That part will absolutely work in the NFL. He knows how to adjust the angles and get it into a guy's bread basket. He, he can put touch on the ball when it's necessary um, and, and put it over the top when it's necessary. He also has to be accounted for as a runner, obviously, um, and it turns into a running back in the open field quite often. He he does run to 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 run and not to pass. Something that that any team that drafts him is going to be trying to teach him to do. Because in the NFL, if you can run to pass or throw, that's what really makes you a dual threat weapon. And then also his year on year improvement has been something that you you can't not pay attention to. His PFF grade each year in 2020 an 81.5, then an 84.4 in 21. In this past season as a, well, not technically a Heisman candidate, but definitely a Heisman candidate for the vast majority of the year and should have been in the end and not Stetson Bennett. He had a 90.9 PFF grade, really fantastic year, nearly 70% completion percentage and over 3,000 yards, 27 touchdowns to two interceptions. They were a dominant offense and he had a dominant year. If he continues to improve at the rate that he did in college in the NFL, he may end up being an NFL quarterback. So we'll have to see. That's it from our quarterback roundup this morning with the interviews. Again, a lot more to talk about on the tight end. 
by the way, the tight end spoke as well. Um, because we were focused on quarterbacks and wide receivers, really didn't get to spend a ton of time paying attention to them. We'll probably catch a lot of those interviews in post tonight and tomorrow. Maybe have some thoughts on that for tomorrow's show. Definitely we'll have thoughts on their testing because this is a crazy deep and talented tight end group. We don't want to neglect that group. Another position, by the way, the Titans absolutely will consider being interested in if they don't end up bringing back any tight ends besides Shigakonkwo. Can't have one guy on the roster. You know, you got to have you got to have a couple. And this year, if you're looking for a tight end in the draft, you're in luck. You are in store for a really nice selection. So we'll talk more on them tomorrow as well as the receivers and the quarterbacks. Uh, we'll probably end up doing maybe a later show tomorrow just because a lot of it will be based on that athletic testing. So we'll go to that. And as soon as that is up, we will be able to, to do a show on that tomorrow evening. So look out for that. Last thing before we go is mentioning the athletic testing notes from the past two days. Again, today's testing should have just now wrapped up. Yesterday's was wrapping up. We were recording a couple of things from yesterday that we missed, a handful of things from today that we wanted to point out. We've got some freaks here in Indianapolis this week. It is, it is really, really impressive already with just two days of testing under our belts, what some of these guys are doing. The first guy we have to mention is DJ Turner. Cornerback ran today a 4.26. Turner was fantastic, and that is a ridiculous. That's unofficial. But um, if assuming that stands, based on yesterday's trend with the laser timer, everything was getting adjusted faster. Um, the unofficial times were getting 0 .3, 0 .03, 0 .04, 0 .05 seconds taken off of them. So we could see that get even closer to a flat 4-2, which is insanity. The next guy is a guy we talked a lot about yesterday from his interviews. I'm very, very high on him and frankly um, am sad that he tested so well because this guy's going to be a first round cornerback now. There's there's no chance he's not. It's it's uh Dante Banks. He is a stud, ran a 436 uh, unofficial time that could come all the way down to a 430 flat based on the adjustment for the official time. The guys coming out of uh the Terps organization really fantastic day for them. Yeah, Both they, of their they, cornerbacks. They set, they set the precedent right there. They, the and it was out of the gate today. Yep. Their two cornerbacks ran a 4-3-1 for Ja'Cory and Bennett. Again, unofficial, could get into the 4-2s. And then uh, Deontay, ba I said Dante, Deontay Banks could run a 4-3-6. Both of those guys, blazing fast speed. Ja'Cory and Bennett's not going to be nearly as high a pick as uh, Deontay, simply because he's not got the build or the traits or the production that Deontay does. But for Deontay to combine that raw speed and length and size and traits and physical ability and production on tape like he's kind of got it all I am going to have to reevaluate my cornerback board after this week based on a lot of the measurements and what I what I've seen and how I've learned about these guys this week I would not be surprised at all if he ends up being one of my top five corners I'm really really a fan of him yeah I think where he shines as well is in um, the coverage this past season he had he allowed a completion percentage of 43.3 percent so he's going to be one of those guys He's going to be able to play the outside really well. He has that speed and he's just going to be all over you the entire time, yep. which is what a lot of teams really need in this draft. So he's going to be a hot commodity and maybe even find his way into the top 20. Another guy that's going to be a hot commodity because he put up a ridiculous number. Oh, I forgot one more step from, from Deontay Banks. He, he had a 42 inch vert and a 11 foot four inch broad jump, which is the third best cornerback broad jump ever ridiculous insanity freak athlete then he's outdone by julius brents who broad jumps an 11 foot six 
insane, insane athlete. Got the attention of Daniel Jeremiah, among others, on Twitter. This guy is an athletic freak and is probably going to rise up the boards uh, for teams that that just want crazy, freakish prospects with crazy traits. He's going to fit that bill. Another guy that fits the bill is Joey Porter Jr. Talked about him a lot. He tested yesterday? Today. Today. He, he tested today. Right. He tested today. Um, we talked about him yesterday because we talked to him yesterday. And he measured a 34-inch arm, 80 and 7 eighths wingspan. He's in the 99th percentile for arm length for cornerbacks. So this guy's got the reach that teams are looking for. And especially how good he is in press coverage. He could be the number one corner off the board, depending on scheme. If you're going to play press coverage, you need a guy with crazy reach. Joey Porter Jr. matches that bill. Some other notes. Byron Smith, Tennessee edge rusher. He did athletic test yesterday, and he put up a ridiculous day. We didn't get all this information in until after we recorded yesterday, so we had to include it for today's show. He put up yesterday, and mind you, there have been 1,150 defensive linemen to participate in the NFL con since the year 2000. Among them, Byron Smith just posted the fourth best 40-yard dash, 99th percentile, the third best broad jump, 99th percentile, the 34th best vertical jump, 96th percentile, and the eighth best speed score in the 99th percentile. So another athletic stud. The traits are so... It, it's going to make these scouts and GMs salivate to the point that they're going to end up drafting him higher than I think a lot of yeah, folks are are thinking. So another guy you need to circle. This guy absolutely will go probably before you're expecting yeah, him to. Yeah, his consensus big board right now is 107, which is just that's not staying crazy. He just like a uh, Clancy out of or Cancy 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 out of uh, yes. Pitt. He's yeah. gonna he's gonna rise maybe 40, 50 spots and get into that top 50 conversation. I think so too. One guy who hadn't unimpressive number yesterday, but I don't think it's nearly as big a deal as many are making it out to be Luke Van Ness, who has been uh, nicknamed, I guess, Hercules by his teammates. I'm not exactly sure where the nickname comes from, but he keeps being referred to as, as Luke, Luke Hercules Van Ness. And he, he, he's got the look. He he looks like he's got, he's got that star in a live action. He does. He's got the, obviously he's got the build. He's shredded. Looks great. Thick guy. Then he's got the great head of hair and he's got that smile on him. He's kind of a charmer. So, um, but, but he did end up having only 17 reps yesterday in the bench press. Folks weren't very impressed by that, obviously, because that's, you know, if you're, if you're a guy that's being considered for a top 10 pick at, at an edge position, that strength, the play strength is very important. One of the most important things that they're looking for. But this has been pointed out by a number of folks. The first I saw was from Brandon Thorne, who's a very fantastic analyst. I saw on Twitter he was talking about this list of guys for reps yesterday, and Luke Van Ness came in, I think, actually at the very bottom of the class for edge players for the number of reps. It it, it really just goes to show more than anything else, not that Luke Van Ness is not nearly as strong as you think he is, that maybe he doesn't deserve that Hercules title, but what it really shows is the bench press is not a good measurement of play strength because you go and watch the tape for Van S and the play strength is there. It is absolutely there. The problem with the bench press is dudes often who shatter the bench press records or put up really impressive bench press numbers. It's because they have short arms. It's guys like me. You've got much, much less distance to cover with that, with that bar to go up and down and you, you get more leverage, right? The, the center of gravity is lower um, you don't have to support a a 240 some odd pound 
bench press bar up in the air when your arms are 35 inches. It's like it's like skyscrapers that wave in the wind in cities. It's like they, there needs to be a, a mass dampener in the bottom because it's just too long for them to be structurally sound. This is like physics 101. So does Van Ness have a bad uh, a bad number next to his name for bench press at the combine? Yes, but also he's got crazy long arms and he's got crazy great play strength if you watch the tape. So don't let that one fool you into thinking he's not nearly as strong as he is. He is. The last guy we got to talk about, My and I've, I've saved the best for last, just for you, JT. It's Jack Campbell. This is the third or fourth day in a row. I think we've talked about Jack Campbell, who the, the resonant ball knower of all ball knowers here. <laughs> I I love this guy. You do love this guy. We talked yesterday about how he absolutely knows ball, and we also know that he is apparently one of the latest horsemen of the apocalypse of white guy linebackers, off ball linebackers who are crazy, crazy inexplicably athletic his current ras which is relative athletic score a very nice baseline benchmark composite athletic score given by the guys over at um i guess it's math math bomb it's at math bomb on twitter it's kentley platt that puts together these ras scores he's he's an independent guy as far as i'm aware but his his algorithm the content he puts out the tracking he does on these numbers is very highly respected amongst everybody here. Um, so this is the go-to number if you're wanting one thing to look at for a guy to see his traits, physically, athletically, what's he got? It's out of 10. Um, and Jack Campbell, so far, it's it's unofficial, but once his numbers get uh, made official, it'll be in this area. He's got a 9.98. Yeah, is that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a 9. <laughs> I'm doing a double take because it doesn't it doesn't sound right. A 9.98 out of 10 RAS score. For comparison, TJ Watt, 9.91. Leighton Vanderesh, 9.96. Both of those guys are pretty decent comparisons for him, depending on it depends on whether you would want to use him as more of a rusher or keep him off the ball and play in coverage. But he he does comp pretty eerily similarly to TJ Watt and Leighton Vanderesh from an athletic profile standpoint. But a 9.9 out of 9.98 out of 10 for this guy is fantastic. And it makes him, I think the clear and uh, unquestioned linebacker one in a draft class that frankly is really crappy when it comes to linebackers. Yeah. It's, it's not a good class. He is the rare exception of a good linebacker that some and, team's going to get. And the downside of, of him really and why he probably isn't, uh, as high as he should be he's 59 right now um and years old no 59 okay. on the sure. consensus <laughs> big board um, he's he's peaking around 41 which is where i think he could relatively go early in that second round the biggest uh gripe with him is that he he is undoubtedly the best uh linebacker in co in, coverage, in coverage in the middle of the field for sure he may be the best linebacker in coverage that we've seen in like maybe the last three or four drafts but uh, rushing to the ball, he just lacks the technique and that ability. So if you're you're if you're drafting him for the physical traits, you're going to need to help him develop uh, in the in the run game. Yep. And with that, we're going to end for today. Um, we're all, already at 70 minutes long, and that's enough. We're going to have probably the longest show of the week tomorrow, if yep. I'm being honest, just because there is so much for us to cover. You're not going to want to miss that one. We'll go ahead and preview tomorrow while we're at it. Of course, we do have still. Uh, is it our la yeah? It's our last day of, of folks of speaking at the podiums tomorrow. That's going to be offensive linemen and running backs. So a lot of really intriguing names. 
starting with the linemen, of course, you've got Cody Mock, going to talk to him. Peter Skaronsky, definitely going to be speaking with him. Paris Johnson Jr., we wouldn't be doing our jobs if we yep. weren't paying attention to him. A couple others that you, you might see the Titans consider as an interior option because Lord knows they need more than just one new guy on the offensive line. Heck, they may need four. We don't know. Uh, you could see Osiris Torrance from us tomorrow. Darnell Wright out of Tennessee will go and speak with. Some other maybe smaller down the board guys. Um, let's see here. Uh, Tyler Steen, going to speak with him out of Alabama, I believe. Um, and uh, John Michael Schmitz, definitely have heard some good things about him. Want to hear more on him. Andrew Voorhees. Andrew Voorhees was the one. He's, mm-hmm. he's such an interesting prospect. There, he's all over the board. I'm interested to hear more about him. Yep. On the running back side of things, we've got Devon A. Chain. Definitely going to speak with him. I, I think he's a little bit overrated but we'll see i, I want to see how he tests Bijan robinson is going to be a zoo but we'll try to get in there and see what he has to say tank bigsby is another one we'll probably pay attention to jameer gibbs who was your sleeper for the the combine when we picked those on monday um let's see here and then your sleeper as well is talking tomorrow as well i was about he? to say i was going to name him last but ty J spears is in fact on this list out of tulane uh, we're we're going to be speaking to him, and I can't wait to see him test because from what we heard uh, out of the Senior Bowl in Mobile, he's a stud. So excited to hear from him. And then a couple others that we uh, will, I'm sure I'm missing here, that we'll end up talking about tomorrow. But really excited about that. Offensive linemen, running backs talking tomorrow. And then in the afternoon, we've got the big one. Wide receivers, tight ends, quarterbacks. They will all be in Lucas Oil Stadium, and so will we, to be watching and probably live tweeting uh, all of the testing numbers that we get from them, including Bryce fat, fat Bryce young. What's the number? What's it going to be? Baby. We don't know. We will see Anthony Richardson. What's that 40 time. Can we see you show off your cannon? Will Levis, please. And thank you. It's going to be an awesome one. And the receivers, of course, we got some, got some guys that maybe can push the record. Some, some, we'll, some we'll record breakers, yeah. some big tight ends that could break tight end records. We think they're going to be running like crazy, um, and, and we could get some really big fellas run some ridiculous times tomorrow's athletic testing is going to be the main event. That's why they put it on Saturday. So you won't want to miss that. You won't want to miss the show, uh, tomorrow evening, as well as again, on Sunday, we wrap up our coverage here from Indianapolis, two more live shows. Won't want to miss them. Anything else that I'm missing? Oh, our video, yeah. our video that we have been teasing all week long now from yesterday morning when we got special access to the NFL experience here at Indianapolis for all the fans that are here for the combine. It's awesome. We ran the 40 yard dash. We did the, uh, we did the high jump. We did the, or the vertical, not the high jump, very different event. We did the vertical jump and we did a, an obstacle course, course, which was a fun time. And we got to tour the NFL experience. All of that is in a video that we're going to be posting on YouTube right after this, uh, is, is done being live after we're done here. So if you're listening in post on Saturday, when this goes up as a podcast, it's already out. Go check it out over at Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page. It's very funny. Eight or nine minutes of us screwing around. And you can see just how average we are athletically compared to and and how bad we are athletically compared to the studs that we're here to uh, here to cover. So all of that is exciting. We can't wait for tomorrow. Hopefully you join us live. Appreciate you all. Make sure that you're subscribed over at the YouTube page as well as Wherever you wherever wherever you get your podcasts, we we gotta keep get that subscriber count up. If you're listening and you're not subscribed, 
please go and do it. It takes 10 seconds. It means a ton to us. Consider it a personal favor. Make sure you leave a rating and a review. We'll read your review on air. If it's five stars, we'll give you a shout out, all of that good stuff. Thanks for tuning in. For producer JT, I am your host, Easton Freeze. This has been the Hot Read Podcast live from the NFL Combine. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.